Welcome to the Digital Social Hour, guys. I'm joined with my co-host, Charlie Cavalier, and our lovely guest today, Derek Fay. How are we doing, guys? Very good. Yeah? Very happy to be here. Awesome. I've so what, called uh, a lot of things, but lovely might be a first. No, yeah. definitely not a first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got to spice it up, you know? Um, so what brings you into town? Uh, well, playing in the uh, Mayweather celebrity basketball uh, game with you, which is uh, interesting. This pod and a few others. Um, so looking forward to embarrassing myself on the court and, <laughs> and having some fun. Hell yeah. Um, I'm excited to see you out there. I bet. Uh, so let's let's dive right into it. Yeah. Um, let's get into 3F management. Let's talk about that. So can you explain to our audience what that is? Yeah, so I started 3F Management uh, in 2002, so we're coming up on, you know, 20 years of business. I, I call myself uh, the company of venture capital firm, but very non-traditional in the sense that typical VC firms just invest in operating companies. I have, we have built almost 30 companies from dirt to exit. Our brand, our design, everything, um, but, uh, nuts to bolts, so to speak, uh, which isn't usually the VC path. Mm-hmm. And then we don't have a niche. So for me, I'm a cash flow guy. We have assets in almost every industry you can imagine, with the exception of casinos, which okay. I'm knocking on that door, coming into Vegas all the time, <laughs> which is very interesting. Um, but yes, yeah, so for me, every opportunity is unique and individual. So I don't care what industry it's in. I'm very good at <clears throat> providing a solid, solid foundation. Um, we scale really, really well, and then we optimize either the founder or the CEO and the operational team. And, and the trajectory that they're on, we just accelerate it, uh, and then we, we, we demonstrate really, really impressive exits. Wow. Yeah, yeah, 30 exits is very impressive. Yeah, and our exit value, and I say it all the time, and, and I really stand by it, and it's not some magic potion, but I sell companies for more than most people can, period. Every company I've sold, I've sold for more than the company was worth. Mm-hmm. And it's not a magic spell, like I said. It's just there's there's a process, there's a presentation. People buy the sizzle, mm-hmm. right? And so, yes, your financials are important. Yes, it is important. But the path to the exit, the year leading up to it, how you present it, how you tease it, all those things really do add meaningful uh, additional multiples to your exit. Right. Um, and that's, that's the game, right? Yeah, 100%. A lot of people their dream is to sell their company one day. So what advice can you give for someone looking to experience their first exit? Don't go alone. Just because you're an amazing operator has no correlation to you selling your company. Um, the business brokers out there, I'm not saying anything good or bad, but you need to be really careful because there is an accepted process to sell the company, which is absolute bullshit. Mm. It's not correct. It's not being done correctly. They're there to take their piece of your 10 years, 20 years, 30 years of hard work, and they don't give a shit whether it's 50,000 or 100, they just want that cash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you would say, well, it doesn't really make any sense because the more that they sell it for, the more they don't know how to, mm. right? So just because someone can buy your company does not mean they should be the buyer. Mm-hmm. And so that's really important. So you start with identifying who are the buyers that will pay the most. Mm-hmm. And it's and, and that sounds easy, but it's actually very difficult, right? So you want to find buyers that by acquiring this company, not only do they acquire that cash flow, but it adds value to what they're currently doing and then increases that. So then the buyer's like, okay, I'm not just paying a multiple on this, I'm also seeing this. And so that you can get some you can get some shift in that. And so I mean that's the best advice is find someone, it doesn't have to be me. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of me's out there, but find someone that has sold meaningful companies hopefully bigger than yours, mm-hmm. um, and then sit down and interview these people. It's mm. crazy, right? You, 
you have these successful founders and CEOs, 30 years in the trenches, built amazing companies, and they just hire the first guy to sell their company. Mm-hmm. You got to slow down. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to go with track record. 100%. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And let's talk about the other side, which is <clears throat> your negotiation tactics. Sure. Because that's something I think is incredible, the skill level you have in that. Where did you learn to negotiate these massive seven, eight, nine, even 10-figure deals? Yeah. That's a great question. And you're going to be surprised by the response. Um, and I believe this. So let's go back to where I come from. Born in Rhode Island, um, single mom, welfare, Section 8, abuse, poverty, like the worst possible situation you can exper- uh, experience. And I say that because I wear it as a goddamn badge of honor, mm. right? Um, and I talk about that a lot. Uh, but that's actually where I learned to negotiate as a little kid, right? So my biggest concern was how am I going to eat? How is my family going to eat? I mean, we go days without food, like really, really tough. Wow. So you need to, it shifted my mindset at a young age where everything was a negotiation. How do I pivot? How do I see an angle? How do I get this for nothing? And so when you're coming from a place of how do I get something of value, whether it's food or something bigger, and I have nothing, you'd be amazed what your mind does. Mm -hmm. And so from a foundational standpoint, that's where I learned to negotiate. And I think that's why I've been so successful as I've kind of grown, is that I see things so out of the box Mm -hmm. versus guys who are just locked into, this is the process, this is corporate America, this is how you sell. So if this is where everybody sells, I'm, I'm above, around, and under. I very rarely go down the middle. And it creates opportunity that most people don't see. One of the things that really intrigued me was you took a job at another management company for, I think it was 32 grand a year, while you were already planning on starting 3F. Mm -hmm. Was that more about learning what you did want to do or what you didn't want to do Mm. from taking them, you know, what you learned from there where you offered a multitude of promotions, but you turned down and eventually started your own company anyway. So what was the reasoning behind doing that, even though you knew you were going to go start your own company? Yeah, the answer is down the middle, actually. And so what I mean by that is I was making meaningful money at that time. Um, Not seven figures, but mid to high six figures. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew I wanted to start a management company. And I've been always, even at a young age, been really good at putting my ego aside. Well, that's not to say I don't have an ego, but my ego is a gift I give to myself. Mm -hmm. And so it's inside. I don't, I don't put, I'm a humble guy on the outside. Doesn't mean I'm in the inside. I think that's something people should hold on to when I say be ridiculously confident. Doesn't mean be a dick. (laughs) It means it's a gift you give to yourself and you carry inside. So I say that because I knew that, or I thought, maybe I don't know what I need to know. And so I said, let's just, let's go that path. Let's work. I mean, at that time, I'm working 18 hours a day. Um, Who cares? Mm -hmm. I'm young. I knew I had time. And so I took the job making 32,000 a year, where I was making more than that in a month. Right. Um, at the largest man, largest management company in the world for the sole reason of I want to see what I don't know. Mm. And as I got into it, there this sounds so bad, but there wasn't that much. And that's why I kept getting promoted. And so then once I got what I thought was the largest promotion, the entire region, multiple facilities, the next day I quit. Wow. Next day I quit. And I started 3F management. Wow. Yeah. But there's something to that, right? No matter how good you are, no, how much, no matter how much success you have, be open to the fact that you might not know it all. Right. And by the way, I certainly don't. Right. Yeah, I love that. I try to always be learning as 100%. much as possible. Yep. So you've run 3F for 20 years. Has it always been uphill or was there any rock bottom moments on that journey? 
I mean, I wouldn't say rock bottom. Well, actually, I take that back. There haven't been rock bottom uh, moments for 3F, but there have been rock bottom moments for the companies owned inside of 3F. Okay. Um, there have been several companies that were weeks away from bankruptcy. Mm. And it's important to note as a leader the importance of, again, keeping that stuff inside. So now, you know, uh, let me pick a, a company. Uh, Around the Clock Fitness, one of the largest independently owned health clubs uh, in Florida that I built from, you know, dirt to exit. Mm-hmm. There was a time where we were week to week for about a month. I mean, that company was almost going to go bankrupt. Wow. Not one of my 1,500 employees, not one of my 12 team C-suite people, not my wife at the time, not my children, no one had a clue what was going on. Why? Because as a leader, people follow follow you. They follow your sentiment. They follow your energy. They follow everything. So it's your responsibility, no matter how good things are, no matter how bad they are, you need to stay level. You need to provide calm for your people. Mm -hmm. And I think people go askew because it's very difficult. Mm. It's very difficult both ways. Things are going great. You're excited. You're making millions of dollars a month. You want that vibe. But if you give too much, most people slack off. Right. Wow, we're so successful. I can I can take my foot off the gas. And even harder when things are, are, are horrific and you're at home stressed and out like, God damn, these people, 1,500 people and their, and their families are going to lose their job. And you got to go to work with a smile. You got to be like this at all times. And it's a skill that you build over time. I'm 44 years old. And we had that conversation out there. I wasn't that way at 22. Mm-hmm. Um, I may have been more stable than most at 22. Um, but it's a process that you build out over time. And, we, and we've talked about this in other podcasts. You've got all these young guys in their 20s that are beating themselves up because they're not super successful. They don't have all the skills. And social media tells you that you should. It's just not true. Mm. It's a day after day, month after month progress um, that I'm still doing at 44. My goal, and that's why, look, I'm pivoting now to social media because I realize that's the next iteration of real big business. Attention is new currency, right. and you're either in it or you're out of it. And so it's just a process. Right. And that is a pivot for you, right? Because in, in a previous, you know, your professional life, you've been very behind the scenes. Yes. I found one article that called you the secret serial entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. So where was your decision kind of based from to kind of come out of that shell a little bit more? Yeah, great question. Um like a lot of things, kind of accidental, right? So there was one uh, deal. So one of the things I do is called shadow CEO or interim CEO. We're Fortune 500 companies, publicly traded companies will have issues and they'll call me in. And Mm -hmm. so I'll sit with the CEO or I'll help with board deadlocks. Again, back to that whole, I I can see things that most people don't see. Um, So anyway, a company called me, FinTech company um, out of South Florida. Uh, There was a company trying to acquire them, Mm -hmm. and they were offering them like 30% less than the company was worth because Mm -hmm. they knew the CEO was weak and he would burn the company to the ground. Mm. Everyone knew it, including the CEO himself. Wow. So board reach out. We'd love for you to step in as interim CEO, provide stability, provide, you know, everything that we feel like we're lacking. So we do a big uh, 3,000-person, very public announcement. I'm on a big screen. I'm doing my interim CEO speech. And that's on a Friday night. Now, let's step back. The company that was trying to acquire was offering 45, 45 or $46 million. Okay? I do my announcement on a Friday night. Now, I'd negotiate $100,000 a month and 20% equity in the company. Friday night, make the announcement. Monday morning, the company offers $75 million. Wow. That's insane. And so that's- that kind of put me in the public light. 
And then I said, well, like everything, I'm a yes guy, right? I say yes to everything, which I think is important. Not everything, not like Jim Carrey movie, everything, right? <laughs> but yes to opportunity, right? And so I went with it. And I'm not going to lie, the first 90 days of doing reels and talking, I woke up every morning feeling stupid. It's like, mm. man, is this the right decision? Am I going to destroy my reputation? I've been doing it for 25 years. But then I started getting DMs from people really meaningful stuff like man that really meant a lot to me i needed to hear that and i was like man maybe this is maybe social media can also be philanthropic in some ways and so um i'm really enjoying the ride things are taking off more aggressively than i ever thought that they would um but it's a really interesting i get to meet you know young entrepreneurs really exciting guys that were me 20 years ago mm -hmm. and so i'm i'm excited about the opportunity to bridge that success gap for guys, because I didn't have it. When I was coming up, being an entrepreneur wasn't cool. Right. You were insane. Like yeah. every day, my parents, are you you need to go get a job. <laughs> like I, yeah. I have a job. Well, no, you don't. I remember my grandfather coming to me. He's walking through my house, you know, big house at the time, and he takes me in the garage and he goes, So uh, what time do you have to go to work? Like couldn't even understand the concept of what an <laughs> entrepreneur was. And now it's the coolest thing to be. So it's fun. It's fun to be a part of it. Yeah, that's great. Uh, one <laughs> thing I wanted to talk about was you've managed over or you hired over 20,000 employees. Mm -hmm. um, what do you look for when you're making important hires, C-suite, director, those kind of important hires? Yeah, I mean, more so earlier in the career, right? Um, I look for an energy, a drive, and uh, a hunger. Kind of all, all in the same thing. I don't care if you're a, a, a master or an MBA from MIT. Mm -hmm. there, there's... there's um, there's an openness to certain individuals. And so I guess what I look for in some odd way is who I was when I was young. I was willing to do anything. I was open to any concept. I, I knew that I didn't know anything. And then you sit down with some people that come from, and I'm not knocking advanced degrees, but some guys that are, are below me out of the water with advanced degrees, but globally speaking, um, they come with a bit of an attitude, mm. um, that they know everything. And first of all, I've been doing this coming up on 20 plus year, 20 more than 20 years, and I know I don't know anything. So if you're sitting in front of me and acting like you know it, it's game over for me. I don't care about your experience, I don't care what you've done, I don't care where you've come from. I would rather have a kid sit in front of me and say, I don't know, I, I don't know everything, but I'm hungry and I'm willing to learn. Mm. I'll hire that kid 10 out of 10 times over the other guy. Wow. Yeah, let's talk about the college education in the public schooling system because I saw you were not fond of it, and I share that belief. Yep. What are your plans for your kids and f inspiring future generations? Yeah, it's broken. Yeah. It's, it's fundamentally, disgustingly <laughs> broken. I agree. And so my kids go to school because they have to, mm. right? And, you know, my girls are 14 to 16, but we they're also my partners in a company, which we can talk about. But every deal I do, I discuss with them. So it comes down to parenting. They know how I feel about school. Mm -hmm. And so I give them as much real-world knowledge as I possibly can. And for me, I don't really care what their grades are. Mm. I get a lot of flack for that. Now, if you're just slacking off and not going to class, that's one thing. But if you go to class and you do your work and you're getting, I don't care if you get a C or a B, what classes are you passionate about? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about history and that. Then I, that's where I want to see you excel. Other than that, I don't really care. I am not raising uh, employees. I'm raising two goddamn lionesses that are going to tackle the world. 
And that doesn't mean that they're going to be ultra wealthy. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But I want my children to be happy. I want them to engross themselves in things that they are passionate about. Mm -hmm. And outside of that, I don't care. Mm. And I think that freedom that I allow them um, puts them in a really exciting place that I wasn't was uh, that I wasn't in. And uh, I'm excited to see where that takes them, what path that takes them down. Because I had to fight and claw to get to that path. Right. Now I'm saying, here's that path. Explore. I love that. Yeah. So are they wanting to go to college after high school? Yeah, well, um, so I, my two daughters, 16 and 14, they're both me, but in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. So my youngest is very analytical, and she's going down the path of uh, Ivy League school. Mm -hmm. But there's also a part of her that's like, you know what, if I get there and it's not for me, I'm just going to go start my business. And then there's Sophia, my older, who is more like me in the sense that she just goes for everything in life. And so her, I don't know. Um, she, she's a volleyball player, so if she goes to college, it'll be for that. Got it. Um, but they're both businesswomen. They both own their own brick-and-mortar stores. They wow. started about two years ago. Um, so they're killing it. They, they run it. They do their P&Ls. They, you know, they payroll, all these types of things that most adults can't even wrap their head around. <laughs> and that's not saying that they can't. It's that most people think that everything is so complicated and so hard. And the biggest secret, guys, is that none of it's hard. You just, you just haven't been exposed to it. It's, right. it's actually really easy. And that's why you probably heard me say the difference between great wealth and great poverty is a very fit, thin, thin line. And people don't want to believe that. Um, and I get, I get shit for saying it. But it's true. It's, it's not just me saying it. If I could be where I'm sitting from where I came from, which is almost unbelievable, mm -hmm. anybody can do it. Wow. You also seem to not associate wealth with happiness or success. I've seen countless sure. you know, quotes, articles where you see someone's value in their happiness or in their ability yeah. to contribute more in what they've gotten for themselves. Mm -hmm. While you're also talking about raising kids who own companies and you care more about their happiness and running those companies than how well they're going to do. Where does that foundation come from? Because that's very different than what we mostly see. Yeah. I think I hate to keep going back to the childhood, but I think that's where it comes from. And same thing with my workers, by the way. I would rather have my workers work happy than hard. Because if you force them to work hard, it won't last. If you allow them to work happy, well, guess what? They're going to work hard. Mm -hmm. And they're going to work hard forever. Like this is, It's so outside of the normal practice. But to me, it's so goddamn fundamental. Like let everyone like, at a high level, let's step back. How would you want to work? Well, I'd, I'd prefer to be happy. Well, then why don't you allow your employees to work that way? Mm. It's it's just a broken mindset. And I think it's because you get forced. We force all this bullshit of, like, you know, greed is good and all this type of shit. It's just wrong. Mm. Like, the path to great wealth is what you, just, what we, you were talking about. It's not the other way around. So you can be a really good person. You can treat people really well. You can do the right stuff still be really wealthy and guess guess what the advantage then is you get to look in the goddamn mirror and be proud of yourself wow yeah um that's insane uh one thing i also noticed that you're really good at is networking and i saw on a podcast you said you're always networking wherever you go yeah uh what's some tips you recommend to people that are not that are i guess kind of shy or introverted to get out there and start networking better yeah i'm not shy yeah i noticed <laughs> i'm not shy um, but I don't know that it was always that way. Um, I have now I say I love people and it's true. 
even out there, I say hi to everybody. Mm -hmm. I like your boots. I like this. And some people talk to you and some people are like, what the hell are you talking about my boots for? But it's actually that simple. Like, find something. First of all, just start with saying hi to everybody. If you're super shy, just start with making eye contact with everybody. And then guess what? One or two people are going to say hi to you. Mm. Start very, very simple. And then the next one is, if if you're that shy, then start with just saying, hey, good morning. Like it's a process where you build confidence when you see that when you do it, you get a really positive response. The fear comes from, but what if I say something and they, they, I don't know, they say, don't talk to me. Well, that doesn't, it just doesn't happen. In some states it does, but it typically doesn't happen, right? So it's a slow process like anything else. Uh, And for me, I attribute my success very much to that. Mm Everywhere I go, I teach my daughters. There's not a, almost not a human being. And James, my head of media, you see, I talk to, when I say everyone, we walk in the elevator. Hey, everybody, how you doing? <laughs> I like this. How'd you, how'd, you, how'd you do with the tables? And all of a sudden, hey, can I get your Instagram? How are you doing? It's, just, it's, 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 it's really easy. I, everyone hates the word that I use the word easy because everybody wants to think this game is so hard. And by the way, it is a game. And once you realize that not just business, life, everything, we're all playing a game. Mm. And once you know the rules, which by the way, the rules are actually really fun. They're not really set up to beat you. You just don't understand the rules, which is why you feel beaten. Mm. And so surround yourself by, I don't know, call me some old man wisdom here, right? Surround yourself with some guys that have done it, that are willing to share. For me, life is abundance. Your success does not take away from mine, and a lot of guys feel that way. So for me, if I can help you and enrich your life, I know fundamentally it's going to make my my life better, either in the moment or eventually down the road. And so many men and women don't take that approach. Right. They become successful. They keep it like, what is that, Lord of the Rings guy, like like, oh, like yeah. tight to chest. I'm like, hey, I'm successful. Here's how I did it. Let's do it together. Or go do it on your own. Mm-hmm. And And shit comes around. Yeah. You both are pretty firm believers in mindsets being reality. Yeah, I've you know I've seen you will things into creation. Obviously, the same thing with you, Derek. Yeah. Where does where does that come from? Is it spiritual? Is it metaphysical? Where is that basis for each one of you? You go first. Yeah, I I just truly believe in the power of manifestation. So I'll just write things down. I'll speak them into existence. Everything I've ever written down, you know, eventually comes true. I have a vision board. You know, I want to have a healthy body. I had a picture of a six pack. I want to make Forbes 30 under 30, all this stuff. And every day I think about it and just manifest it. You know, the universe will give you what you ask for. And and I agree. But to people listening that hear that, they're like, there's no goddamn way. If I, it is, it is, it is almost supernatural. Like here's an example. I've already played the basketball game that we're going to play tomorrow. I've been playing it every day for the past two weeks at the gym when I'm shooting. Mm. So my subconscious mind is already like, you're going to do well. Mm. And, and God damn, I will. And I haven't shot in 15 years. <laughs> you called me to play. I was like, yeah, I play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? But, it, but it, it's super powerful. I've done it since a young age. Um, there are, and we talked, we've talked about this a million times I have. You have a mind and a subconscious mind. If you can, if you you can convince your subconscious mind of what your mind is saying, it is already occurred. Mm. So at first, it's going to feel like hooey when you're talking to yourself, but you really need to engross yourself in what you want, not just I I, I want to be a I want to be a billionaire. Okay, what does it look like? What does it feel like? You're a billionaire right now. What are you doing today? Are you getting on your boat? Are you getting in your car? What does it feel like when you're driving your Bugatti? Like, what does it feel like? Roll down your window and feel that. You got to go that deep. 
And all of a sudden, your subconscious mind goes, okay, so wait, this is possible? And then the act of that, you now see different things in the world that you wouldn't see, and you'll take action in ways that you might not have before. It's so, so powerful. Wow, that's incredible. Do you want to become a billionaire? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, everybody says it, right? Um, but let's go back to manifestation. Not only do, not only do I want to. I hate the word want. I will be mm. right. And am I close? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm chasing halfway there. Nice. Um, but there is a process in place. And by the way, this is a part of the process. Attention is the new currency. There is no question about it. And with my stacked level of accomplishment, I believe in the next five to seven years, not only will I reach that, but I believe the way that I reach that is by creating a laundry list of millionaires with me uh-huh. to get there. That's incredible. Yeah, there's no better feeling than really putting people on. A hundred percent. I love that feeling. Where do you see AI intersecting with your businesses? Oof. I mean, so I'm, I'm going wide and deep on AI. I think it is fundamentally the most fascinating thing um, short of, you know, I'm showing my age a little bit, but when the internet came out, mm. except I missed that boat, right? I missed it because I didn't get it. I was, a, I was a sports guy. Right. I knew all these guys that were on the computer. I'm like, oh, you're a, you're an idiot. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go swing a baseball bat. Right. Um, but I won't miss it this time. Right. So chat GPT, which we're using quite heavily now, I look at it as, um, a way to supercharge the skills that you already have. Um, and it eliminates all of the, so if your process is one to 10, it eliminates like one to six, one to seven. Mm. And now you can just go back in and edit the process that you had to create before. So you're maximizing your output. You're maximizing, you know, everything that you're doing. Um, so it's a game changer. And I think it's only going to get more powerful. Um, I think some people are afraid of it, but listen, everyone's afraid of stuff they don't understand. I think, um, you know, right now I'm looking for, by the way, I'm looking for really um, talented people that can work in that space mm-hmm. because myself and my team have a lot of really great ideas, but an idea is only as good as your execution. And so that's one of the things I'm looking to build a meaningful team to really utilize AI. I got some people for you. I know who's running the AI team at Google. Beautiful. Well, then so, let's let's partner on it. Yeah, I'd love to. And see, that goes that that see th- this is why we do these types of things, right? Because you never know who you're going to meet. And now we may be building an AI company together, right? Yeah. So you put yourself in rooms. Absolutely. What is your biggest? I mean, obviously you overcome or overcame a lot of obstacles early on. What has been your biz- biggest obstacle since you've been deemed successful? Um. Hmm. I would say um, friendships. Hmm. Yeah, friendships are. Friendships are difficult, and, and, and so let me preface this. I, I don't blame anyone for their approach with me or anyone else. Um, a lot of people don't know how to act around money success, and so it becomes very difficult to judge um, why people are approaching you, what their wants and needs are, and I am, I am a very giving person too much. I've learned that really the hard way. Uh, my entire life. Mm. It's a transition I'm working through now. I know in my past, the more I give, the lower people seem to go because they give up and they just rely on it. And then when mm-hmm. you stop, you're the, you're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. So I would say that the hardest challenge from poverty to wealth has been managing friendships and family. 
Yeah, yeah that's something I think a lot of entrepreneurs with success struggle with. Yeah. Should they bring their old friends from high school and back home sure. up with them yeah. or leave them behind? Yeah, you have to leave them behind or you have to pay for them. And I went the path of paying for it and I paid the price for that. Right. Lost almost all of them. Um, and honestly, it happened with family as well. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you give money because they say they need it mm -hmm. and then they stop even trying because they know the money's coming. But then at some point you're like, well, my money's not helping. Mm -hmm. You stop and then you're the worst human being in the world. Yeah. And so now, I, you know, I've, I've transitioned to, I'm not giving money, but I will help you in any single way. I will give you skills. I'll give you training. I'll give you mentorship. Mm -hmm. I'll help you build a company, but you gotta, you have to participate. Right. Yeah, it's a tricky balance for sure. It is. It's something we've talked about, just like, you know, managing friendships. And yeah. we all probably end up friends with people we work with or work sure. with people we're friends with. So it's a balance. Yeah. yeah, I just lost my last one from high school, too. So I got no one left. I did, too. My it's best crazy. friend of 30 years. I met him when I was nine. He was nine. I was 11. Um, brought him with me on this entire journey. Worked for me the entire time. And then um, about a year ago, something happened in a corporate situation and cost me $20 million. Ooh. Yep. Jeez. And honestly, it wasn't even the money that was a loss. It was the friendship. And I haven't talked to him since. Godfather to both my children. So oh, man. It's, uh, listen, it's, uh, it's the unfortunate part of the game. And this is, don't ever feel bad for the guy with the, <laughs> with, with the wealth. Mm -hmm. um, but the point of the story is there's, there's downsides to everything. Yeah. You have to learn to mitigate and adapt and, and push forward. Yeah. yeah. Would you ever go into business with your significant other? Oof. Uh, so my significant other now, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would. It's, it's, it's tricky water. Yeah. It's tricky water, right? Be only, I think it's tricky water because now you're with that person every second of every day in every interaction, which with the right partner can be blissful mm -hmm. with the wrong partner, I think could be devastating. Mm. Um, and I, I have, I think lived both of those lives. Mm -hmm. And so that comes back to the number one, I think piece of advice anyone can give at my point in life, which is choose your partner wisely, slowly, conservatively, make sure passion fades a little unless you're in that right relationship. Mm -hmm. um, but if you make that big decision um, of the wrong partner, it's amazing how it can affect every inch of your life. Even for a guy like me who, from a business perspective, has it locked in, mm. um, if the home life isn't locked in, it takes away from it and it adds stress to you that, that it's really de devastating. Wow, that was, that was an incredible episode. Is there any closing comments you wanna make before we wrap this up? Uh, only that, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to dunking on you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> My money's on Sean. Oh, oh, we're on the same team. Hopefully. We better be. If not, uh, listen, I'm going to stay away from you. I'll guard you if you want. I don't. Okay. I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want that. All right. Well, there you have it, guys. Digital Social Hour. See you guys next week.